We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Walker Wildman here with you today on the program. Good to be with you. We'll have my brother Wesley. He'll be in with a second segment as he is each week. We're going to talk about um, adherence to Scripture and how uh, church leaders and leaders within the Christian community and all people who profess the name of Christ ought to uh, adhere to God's Word, His teachings. And that how that should be our primary um, guide, and um, and we we ought to be obedient. That's what God's word teaches. It teaches obedience, not just some of the time, but all the time. And we need much much more of that um, in the body of Christ today. So that's what we'll talk with Wesley about. And then in the last segment, we'll have a renowned cardiologist and um, author of hundreds of. Um, of peer-reviewed uh, research papers and clinical trial studies, um, Dr. Peter McCullough out of uh, Texas. We'll have Dr. Peter McCullough on in the last segment to talk about um, if uh, talk about number one. He's got a uh, a vaccine recovery uh, protocol for people who've gotten the COVID nineteen shot and want um, to help their bodies heal from that. Um, we've, he's got a protocol there. So we'll talk with Dr. Peter McCullough about that in the last segment. Um, let's jump into Psalm chapter 61. Psalm 61 is where we are. David says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. David goes on in verse four to say, let me dwell in your tent forever, let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. So despite what we're facing in the world, despite the the unending opposition from the world and from unbelievers and even from some within the flock, um, may we dwell in the Lord's tent forever. May we take refuge under the shelter of his wings. And uh, let's not be... Let's be bold like David, and let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Let's not be ashamed of the word of God. Um, let that be our rock, our shelter, and our refuge. Well, in the state of Mississippi, uh, we've got some good things going on, and I want to cover cover these items. Um, Mississippi is uh, following the lead of some other states, and uh, we are, and I say we because I'm a resident and a voter here in Mississippi, but the state legislature just passed a bill uh, recently, House Bill 1125, that bans this uh, this satanic uh, gender mutilation. Uh, this bill, House Bill 1125, that has passed both chambers, it's headed to the governor's desk. It uh, bans these um, uh, surgeries, these procedures where doctors cut on young people and mutilate their bodies. It bans that from happening in the state of Mississippi for anybody under the age of of 18 it passed uh, the state senate 33 to 15 
and it passed the House 78 to 30 in late uh, January. Similar legislation has been approved in Utah, South Dakota, Alabama, and Arkansas. Um, the uh, legislation, I love this name, uh, the legislation in Mississippi is called Regulate Experimental Adolescent Procedures Act. And that's exactly what this is, folks. And, you know, um, there's a lot of, of hysteria uh, by people who don't hold to a a biblical view of human sexuality that, well, you're preventing young people from, from, from receiving the help they need. You're preventing young people from uh, getting access to gender-affirming care is what they call it. And all of that's really just a bunch of nonsense, completely a bunch of nonsense. And here's why. God created us in his image, male and female. That, if, if we're not affirming that, then we're denying reality. And this is, this is applicable not just within the body of Christ, not just within your local church, or not just within your household. This is applicable at a governmental level as well. And we have to, we have to not, we must not un, uh, unhitch ourselves from the reality that God ordained and created government. Because if, if, you, if, you, if you unhitch yourself from that truth, then government becomes this weapon for man to use however he sees fit. If government is this secular institution run by man and they can just do whatever they want, whatever the majority says, then, folks, that's how you get evil government. That's how you get evil governments throughout human history. But we have to, to bring back to, to the forefront the truth that God instituted and created government to serve his purposes so it is right and just for government to legislate morality. That's what they do. Government legislates morality, whether we like it or not. And this is what's going on in Mississippi, and this ought to happen in all states around the country. The government should not allow people, especially young people, and this, 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 this principle can be applied to adults as well. Government should not be in the business of permitting people under the guise of being a quote-unquote doctor to put 15, 13, and 10-year-olds under anesthesia and put them to sleep and cut their body parts off. Like, like in what world, even in 2023, all right, even in 2023, in what world do, do, do sane people go, yeah, let's do that. Let's cut up a 10-year-old. Let the, let's cut off a 10-year-old girl's breast. Oh, you Walker, you're sure being graphic. Well, folks, this is what happens. This is what happens. And it's horrific. So if you're if you're horrified, that's good. You ought to be horrified. Oh, uh, let's let's uh let's cut off a seven year old's genitalia. No, let's not. Let's make that illegal. Let's put people in jail that do that stuff. Because this is wicked stuff. Oh, this didn't happen and I've never heard of that happening. Where have you been? This stuff's happening all over the place. There are thousands of cases of this happening. 
all under the guise of transgenderism and quote-unquote gender-affirming care. And so Mississippi's putting an end to this. This shouldn't be legal anywhere. And, and, and if we want to take this farther, and maybe we'll do this next year, but adults ought not be able to cut on their bodies either. You can't uh, – somebody made a good analogy the other day. Um, we had a guest come in into town on Monday, and we were in our, our morning devotion, and he, he made a point that we don't let – doctors don't cut off functioning body parts just because you're having a bad day. Like, you don't go into the doctor – and, and, and they're like, you know, I want to identify as a man with one arm. Can you cut this right arm off? And the doctor goes, yeah, we'll get right on that. I'll be right back with my with my knife. No, the doctor looks at you and goes, well, your right arm's working fine. It's fully functional. I'm a doctor. I'm here to help you. I'm not here to hurt you. I can't just cut your arm off because you think you ought to just have one arm. No, we, you can't do that. That's terrible. And so we shouldn't do the same thing about our sexuality. We shouldn't allow, especially young people, but we really shouldn't allow anybody that is struggling with with a genuine issue, and that is gender dysphoria, to go into the doctor, and the doctor's supposed to help, by the way. Doctors are supposed to be God-created medicine and doctors and physicians and that field that's, that's intended to help people. Like, let's help foster life and help people be all that they're supposed to be. Um, and so we, we, we shouldn't even allow adults to go in and cut on their bodies because this stuff's irreversible, folks. This is not like trying out a – I'm, I'm going to try out a new pair of shoes, and if I don't like them, then, you know, we'll, we'll go back to the old ones. Uh, the vast majority of this stuff, folks, is irreversible. It's irreversible. It does irreversible damage to people's bodies and sets them up for a lifetime of regret and depression and utter just depravity. Uh, I've seen uh, multiple testimonies of uh, one young lady by the name of Chloe, a very beautiful young lady created in the image of God. Um, You know, she she had the, the transgender work done. Um, as a minor, and ended up regretting it like not even a year after. But now, she, number one, can't have kids, which also she can't breastfeed her children. Uh, But number three, her body parts are irretrievably uh, mutilated. They're messed up that you can't go back. So now she's you know, in her late teens, early um, um, adulthood, and, and she can't, she's got a whole life to live. And she can't have children, can't be a mom, at least be a biological mom. So, I mean, this stuff is just absolutely sickening, and it's happening under the under the umbrella of medical, under the umbrella of medical. So we got to keep exposing this stuff. Uh, this ought to be the law in all 50 states. This is really non-controversial. Um, if you ask me. And uh, we've also got to continue exposing. I know we've done this some with Vanderbilt and some other quote-unquote medical institutions, uh, but we got to start exposing these medical institutions that are cheerleading this stuff. They're leading the charge for, uh, for these disgusting, um, you know, procedures. Some of these medical institutions, world-renowned medical institutions, 
are somehow leading the charge on this, which is counter to their their whole purpose. Um, they ought to get out of this. I mean, what what interest? How does it serve patients for Vanderbilt University Medical Center uh, to be con- uh, cutting up on young people's bodies in the name of gender affirming care? How does that help people? It doesn't. It destroys people's lives. So the the the, the medical industry ought to be centered on helping preserve and maintain life and help people be all that God created them to be. That's the whole essence of medicine and the medical field is to foster life created in the image of God, not destroy it. Um, So that should be the focus. But back to this government, uh, the whole topic of government um, regulation, laws, um, governments created by God, instituted by God. So, yes, government is in the business of legislating morality. We should not uh, hesitate to embrace that. That's a core function of government. So we have to get legislators and governors and executive branch members uh, that agree with that philosophy. And this is why worldview is so important, because if you have someone who's who's a non-Christian that doesn't submit to a biblical worldview and doesn't agree that God created government for good, then what keeps them from just using government for whatever desires they have, both good or evil? There's no guardrails there. That's why worldview is so important, and um, we've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to having leaders that embrace a biblical worldview um, and reject secularism, and the degeneration of society. Uh, Morality ought to be legislated. Now, can government change hearts? Well, not directly. God changes the human heart. But government can pass laws and enforce standards that point to our Creator. That's what they need to be doing. They They need laws in place to preserve life, maintain order, and uphold God's standards and point people to our Creator. God changes hearts. Government should be a force for good. At the core here on American Family Radio, we got Wesley coming in with this next segment. Hey, don't forget to watch us, streaming.afa.net. Streaming.afa.net, that's where we're doing our video. Also, we have the audio up on the AFR app. Check us out. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. DeMar Hamlin gave his first interview since his on-field collapse during a game with the Cincinnati Bengals to former NFL player and Good Morning America host Michael Strahan in a recorded pre-Super Bowl interview. Strahan asked, how did the doctors describe what happened to you? Hamlin paused a lengthy 12 seconds and then said, That's something I want to stay away from. Why? Were you instructed not to answer? Were you paid not to? Why does a 24-year-old top-shaped professional athlete collapse from cardiac arrest? Why? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. 
Many Christians recognize today as Ash Wednesday, otherwise known as the start of Lent. For liturgical believers, this day of ashes ushers in a six-week-long period of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving ahead of the Easter season. Whether or not your family observes Lent and Ash Wednesday, take time today to visit Jesus' words in Matthew 6. Here, Jesus instructs his disciples to live out their faith in a private way, so as not to appear like the hypocrites. To your girl, this could seem like Jesus is telling his followers to hide their faith, but we know this interpretation is false. Instead, Jesus teaches us to live out the core principles of our faith, like prayer, fasting, and generosity, not for the benefit of our public image, but all for the glory of God. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Preborn celebrates that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Roe has been responsible for the slaughter of over 63 million babies. Now the decision to abort a child will be left in the hands of the states, and sadly, abortions will continue in the most liberal states. Over the past 16 years, Preborn has positioned their clinics in the top abortion cities where 50% of abortions occur. Preborn's work of saving babies' lives continues at an even greater level as they save babies' lives and defend their centers from the radical hate groups who want to shut them down. Preborn's response is dependent on you, the pro-life community. Be a part of rescuing lives and changing hearts for Christ. $28 sponsors one ultrasound and $140 will help to rescue five babies' lives. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. At the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At The Core on American Family Radio. Here on American Family Radio, it's Worship Wednesday. 
Um, Wesley's in with us. Uh, Wesley, welcome to the core. I have a question. Yes. Is it Wednesdays with Wesley? Is that official or did I make that up? It sounds It sounds like really good. It sounds. I, I haven't approved of that yet. Okay. So it's not official then because no. I felt okay. But now if I don't approve of it, everybody knows because you brought it up live on the air. Yeah, that, I thought that was the best place to do it. So. Yeah. So, so Wednesdays, force my hand. Wednesdays worship and Wednesdays with Wesley. I know it's a mouthful, but I like it. No, I'm digging it. I like yeah, it. Wednesdays, Wednesdays with Wesley. Yep. Hey, Wesley, before uh, we jump into our topic, um, I do want to mention our conference coming up this summer, our Marriage Family Life Conference. Um, and we want you to register. The dates are July 6th through 8th, July 6th through the 8th. Go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. That's our MFL Conference 2023. Go to marriagefamilylife.net to register. There's a lot of things that makes this conference unique to any other uh, Christian conference out there. One of the things that come to mind is our entire staff works this thing. Yeah. So um, we uh, every uh, all the people that you hear on the radio, all the people that you hear us talk about, our engineer department, uh, all the way over to American Family Studios department, everybody up here has a huge role, and they have their area. And I myself, for the first time, will be overseeing and helping with the check-in process. So wow. I will get to be able to. I'll be able to meet. So check in with Wesley. Check in with Wesley. I like it. That's <laughs> it. That's what we're gonna stick with. Yeah. <laughs> He is a winner, Bobby. So if you want to say hey to Wesley, yeah. register for the That's conference. That's it. That's MarriageFamilyLife.net. Yeah, I'm going to be there and uh, you know, a dozen other of our uh, donor support ladies and, and, and other places a part, uh, have, a part of AFA have volunteered, and, I will, and, and uh, all of us will be checking in. And so I'll look forward to meeting those that are there. And we got a good, efficient process. Yeah, Wesley, one thing I want, I want us to talk about today and what you've brought in is um, – we, we understand biblically as, as believers that um, the world brings about confusion, that sin brings about confusion, and that's expected. You look at Scripture, uh, people who don't know God, who don't believe in God, they're lost, and they just go about the, the ways of the world, which move to and fro like the wind. Uh, but as Christians, Wesley, we have God's Word, we have the Holy Spirit, we have a standard, a set standard to live by and proclaim and so one thing we try to do here on the show and throughout the network is bring attention when people who call themselves Christian leaders lead believers astray. So that's the topic we're going to talk about today. Yes, it is. And we've seen in my gener- uh, in my generation or in my lifetime, uh, I don't know which one's better to say, but I get, let's go with my lifetime. In my lifetime, I, in the last 15 or 20 years, what I've seen is a um, at first uh, a, a complete detachment from the pulpit being involved in the cultural issues. Uh, that's how Papa, my papa got started with AFA, and that was the beginning. Now, in the last five or ten years, we're seeing a pretty significant involvement of the pastors or, or, with, with big platforms. Mm-hmm. Right, let's call them, you know, whether you want to call them mega pastors. The point is, with social media and the internet, they've got a big platform, social media following. Yeah. And that group, some of the bigger names in that group, and we'll mention one specifically in a minute. We're not going to go without mentioning at least one name. Mm-hmm. That particular group, now they're involved in the cultural issues, and they're on the wrong side. Yes. So, I mean, you go to no engagement, and you're like, come on, pastors. Uh, and I know there are certainly a long list of 
very faithful, committed, good pastors out there. Absolutely. And and and, and we've got many of them on AFR. A yep. lot of them on AFR, and that's the list. And, you know, we need to have a program where we list those as well. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, for the purpose of this segment, I mentioned you got disconnected pastors with big platforms not being involved in politics or being involved in cultural issues. Now they are, and they're on the wrong side. And one of those mm-hmm. who is on the wrong side of this based on the scriptures is Andy Stanley. Mm-hmm. And we've seen a shift, uh, seen a shift. We've seen a a slow fade, or it depends on how close you followed it. For me, just from a distance, seems to be a slow fade. It may be faster for those that are a lot closer to it. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, you know, we covered, AFR covered, uh, and AFN covered his story a couple years back where he said uh, we needed to detach ourselves from the Old Testament and from the law, from the Ten Commandments specifically. Yeah. And we covered that, and we, of course, that, there's no way you're going to find that in the New Testament. I know that's not the topic, but real quickly, Jesus himself affirmed uh specifically himself, nine of the Ten Commandments, and the New Testament affirms all ten of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, so, and, and he even, Jesus even further. said, yeah. he said, I didn't come uh, to replace the law, uh, but rather to fulfill, fulfill it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm. So um, that was an issue then. That's where I would say from a distance we're seeing the slow fade. However, now do we have gone from a slow fade in Wesley's opinion to an all-out just rebellion against God's word yes and a com- complete relevance to the culture and place of scripture and how I'm going to set that up is with the clip that we've got and then there's much more that we weren't able to get in the clip and I'll tell you where you can find that afterwards clip when we first started the church I met a family in our children's ministry a husband and wife and their elementary school age daughter we got to be friends and meal together. I did a couple of funerals for parents and just, you know, not super best friends, but knew them, tracked with them, knew what was going on, see them at church. About five, five and a half years ago, she discovers that he's in a relationship with another guy. And it's devastating, of course. And it breaks her heart. And there's, you know, there's just the deceit and all the stuff that goes with those kinds of things. And of course, confusing for their daughter and embarrassing. And it's just a big mess. So she gets an attorney. You know, and, and to their credit, they asked the attorney to represent their daughter so that however this worked out, it would be best for her. So a single attorney worked this out. And in six months, they're divorced. And there's all the shrapnel and all the wounds and all the betrayal and all the confusion and all the, you know, all that's all there. You've been through that. You've seen it. You have family members or whatever kind of divorce it is. It's just all there. And it's as painful as it can possibly be. And then some months after the divorce was finalized, He shows up here at our North Point campus with his partner and she's here. And it it was either Easter or Christmas. I can't remember. It was a a big Sunday. And she is mad, three syllable mad. Okay. She is uh, uh, upset. You know, she's like you would feel if it was you or your sister or your daughter. And it's like, and she got in his face and she said, look, this is my church. You cause this problem. You go to any church you want to in Atlanta, but you can't come to this is my church. I need a worship free. I need a trauma free zone. And so you go somewhere else. And basically she kicked him and his partner out of our church. And so they left. Well, as you know, we have lots of churches in the city of Atlanta. And as it turned out, they decided to attend a different one of our churches. And it was the one that was closest to them. So they attended Buckhead Church. And as the story goes, the very, if I remember this right, the very first Sunday they showed up at Buckhead Church was our strategic service Sunday. And in strategic service Sunday, we spend the entire time recruiting people to volunteer. And I, you know, I cast a big vision and, you know, we're going to change the world. Come help us change the world. And so my friend's partner said, hey, I like this church. I think we should get involved. So on the first Sunday they're there, they go down and sign up to be in a strategic service and join a host team, one of our guest services teams. 
Well, a few weeks go by and I'm checking on her. How's it going? And she said, that's good. You know, and we talked about the, you know, she kicked him out of the church and how's that going? You know, and, and she said, well, the, the good news, I guess, is that they're back in church. I said, oh, great. Where? She said, they're going to Buckhead Church. She said, and then she kind of chuckled. And she said, not only that, they're serving. And that's the problem with this particular uh, segment here uh, wow. with what he said. Now, the rest of that and even more, because it only gets worse. If yeah. you're wondering, did we stop it and not allow him to finish? No, it actually gets worse. So I may have, if we have enough time, I may comment on the la- on the latter part, what he what he begins to say afterwards. But for this particular point, I want to make is that he through this entire uh, situation in which he's describing that he was responsible as a lead pastor of members <laughs> of his church to counsel them through. Mm-hmm. At no point did he or throughout throughout every point he affirmed homosexuals openly in their sin. Recruiting them, knowing yes. that they're they're a gay couple, right? He knows they're a gay couple. Yeah, he called them partners, partners, mm-hmm. and he helped counsel his the one of the men who was in a marriage with a man and a woman that had a child together. He counseled them to serve in the church. That's that's the bottom line. Yes, there's you don't need to hear or see anything further to know that to counsel or to recruit. Home, open homosexual men to serve in the capacity of, of a church is outright wrong. Yes. It's unbiblical. It's heretical. And even um, we've had uh, American Family News covered this. They had Alex McFarland comment on this. They also had Jeff Shreve comment on this. And I'll share Jeff Shreve's comment, and then I'll hand you the yep. microphone, Walker. Jeff Shreve said it this way. He said, the Apostle Paul... God would be unsparing with ministers who preach a different gospel. Mm. Andy Stanley and others like him are telling you that in sexual sin, don't need to repent and turn to Christ. You don't need to leave this pigsty and and come to Christ. They are telling you a lie. They're distorting the gospel. And as Paul has said in Galatians chapter 1, let him who has done so teach a different gospel be condemned. Mm. Yeah, and Wesley, you know, one of uh, th- there's multiple concerning aspects to this this uh, approach by Andy Stanley, um, but one of one of the disturbing ones is that we've got number one number one um, any quote unquote church where two people who are openly proudly in sin feel comfortable to come and remain in their sin. That's not a good church, folks. Mm-mm, the whole point right. of going and hearing Bible teaching is to be convicted of our sin and to repent and turn our lives towards Christ. That's the first thing. The second thing, Wesley, is that the 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 woman, uh, the 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 lady whose husband has left her for a man, for sodomy, she's the one that had to approach. Her husband who left her and asked him to leave Correct. as opposed to the elders Third, at the door yep. saying, you're not coming in here. Yep. That's the, the point. Th- there's so many things wrong here, and that's another one that's wrong here is the fact that he, uh, in, in, in laughing form, mocks the, the mom or, or the wife for kicking out or saying, you're not welcome at my church because you've already caused enough drama. Yes. He semi-mocks her for that. And the when, crowd is laughing at the this entire story. And... And he left it up to the to the mom, a member of the church, to kick out. 
the husband who's sleeping with the man as opposed to the pastor or the leadership in case you like you said the elders of the church yeah. to deal with this so there are countless things wrong with here and you know we don't need my opinion or your opinion on this you can just read first corinthians chapter five it tells you exactly how this should have been handled there were a very very similar case took place in the corinthian church and paul wrote down specifically as a, a follower of Christ, exactly how this should be handled from a tr- from a church setting. Yes, not a workplace setting. This is a specific. This is a play by play illustration of how God would handle it, and um, uh, we need to do so that way. Yes, yeah. Sir? Yeah. Well, one thing, uh, another thing, I was gonna do just to, just to further uh, clarify and build on this discussion. Um, uh, th- there's there's a couple a couple uh, context here. All right, and I want us to make sure that we're all thinking about things in the proper context. So, so you have, uh, to your point on First Corinthians five and other parts of Scripture, you have el- eligibility uh, for church leadership and disciplinary, biblical disciplinary procedures for church leadership, right. i.e., pastor or shepherd, and then you have uh, 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 deacons. That's all right, right. And, and and I believe elder and pastor are interchangeable. Yes, right. Shepherd. Uh, but then you have the the office of a deacon. That's right. Those are church leaders, all right. And, and there's a, there's a whole standard for church leadership, biblical church leadership that has to be adhered to. Uh, but thirdly, Wesley, amongst the body of Christ, whether you're considered a church leader or not, you should uh, the, the church has to be very careful. Uh, it's one thing for someone who is who is struggling with sin. And even even unrepentant sure. to come to a church and come to services for for a period of time and maybe not be a church member sure. but, but attend services and Bible teaching that's one thing but to come in as a member as a as a member mm. in your proudly in your sin and stay there comfortably is a bad place to be and regardless of whether you're a member or not if you're an open sin you shouldn't be serving in any capacity in the church no, uh, no. and the, and and, the, and furthermore there should the, using using discretion church leaders over a period of time of even a non-member mm-hmm. openly in sin unrepentant and uh, and unsaved sure at some point that person either needs to submit to Christ and his teachings mm-hmm. and repent of their sin, 100%. or they need to stop coming to the yeah, church. Because be, we can't allow unbelievers to then overpopulate our churches. The way Paul said that is a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Mm, that's yep. good. You're going to find that first Corinthians. Go check that out. There's a lot more there. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get to, so you can find the rest of the content on the podcast page on AFR.net. All right. Thanks, Wesley. Hey, I enjoyed Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. on. All right, folks. We got Dr. Peter McCullough coming up next. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a few. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us.
Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Who says you can't have your cake and eat it too? If you're like a lot of people, you would like to support the culture-changing efforts of the American Family Association. But there's the very pressing reality that your income must meet your current needs as well as act as seed for future income either for the short term or for life. A charitable gift annuity might be your answer. A charitable gift annuity offers a unique method for both planning ahead for permanent income and supporting the work of the American Family Association. An AFA Foundation representative will walk you through the details of creating a charitable gift annuity, allowing you to decide if a charitable gift annuity is right for your individual financial situation. Connect with us today by calling 800 326-4543, extension 345, or visit us online at afafoundation.net. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. With Chinese balloons flying over American soil and news that China was testing bomb-carrying balloons in 2018, it gives renewed meaning to bombs bursting in air. It also brings understandable concern to U.S. citizenry, Christian and non-Christian alike. Whether the very real threat of an electromagnetic pulse that would leave many, if not all, Americans without electricity or bombs that would reach the ground doing untold damage, one thing is certain— God is still in control. During these perilous times in which we live, we must cling to the beautiful promise of Isaiah 43.2 each day. Whatever lies ahead, God is with us. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Trust in the Lord. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. This is At the Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. Hey, if you missed any part of the show, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast over at AFR.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. I do want to introduce our next guest we have on with us, a, a previous guest of The Core, Dr. Peter McCullough. He's an internist, cardiologist, and epidemiologist. He's uh, spoken extensively on the COVID-19 virus and the COVID-19 vaccine. Dr. McCullough, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Well, uh, Dr. McCullough, I have, I've had you on and others uh, to talk about the issue of not only the COVID-19 virus, but also people who've been injured uh, by the COVID-19 vaccine. And we could talk, you could talk for an entire segment on those injuries and, and, and kind of the damage it's causing uh, but a, a one thing on a lot of people's minds is, well, okay, I've gotten, you know, one round of shots or two rounds, et cetera, but I'm starting to have regrets and I don't know what to do. And I know you're beginning to focus heavily on this. So uh, tell us what you're working on. That's true. You know, our CDC as of today, I'm looking at the data for adults. Our CDC says that 92% of Americans have taken at least one shot. 
I mean, that's a, that's an astounding. We don't have 92 percent of Americans doing anything. Uh, that's an astounding <laughs> statistic. Uh, I mean, you, you couldn't get anybody to agree on anything. In terms of taking two shots, adults over age 18, our CDC says 79% of people took shots. And then when we're down to the bivalent boosters, uh, the CDC says of adults is 19.3%. So it really dropped off with the boosters. So the point is most adults took the vaccines. They, they did what they were told to be uh, to, to do. Uh, many got through the two-shot series, uh, but but you're right. They they're getting disturbed with the with the safety data that's come out. There's several estimates now. This is stunning. One from Skidmore, the other one by Pantosatos and Seligman, and then the third one from our CDC Bear System. Do you know how many people died after the vaccine in the first year of the campaign of the program? About a quarter million Americans. This wow. is stunning. 250,000 Americans died within a few days of taking the vaccine. Pfizer, they knew about 1,223 deaths within 90 days of release of families who called Pfizer. This is a stunning number. And so people, you know, by word of mouth, have spread word to one another and say, listen, you could lose your life with the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And around the Christmas time, the Rasmussen report came out. And it showed that that 28% of Americans know somebody who's died of the vaccine. That's a stunning statistic. 28% know somebody who died of the vaccine. So you're right. Uh, Most people have vaccine regret at this point in time, and they're wondering what to do next. Uh, Dr. McCullough, there's... I know this is still a very much developing field, if you will, of like, how do you... You know, usually we're we're promoting, hey, get this shot, you know, take this medication. And a lot of this stuff's been studied for years and years and years. But but this idea of like, I've got to recover from what was supposed to help me being a vaccine or a shot. Um, are, are you making and others making any headway on some indicators of that you can recover from this? Well, it's very hard. Normally, you know, the government and the pharmaceutical industry have research programs to study things. We should be studying vaccine injury. We should be studying, uh, you know, blood clots and heart damage and brain damage caused by the vaccines to figure out ways of helping people get through it. Our government has not funded a single project. Neither has the pharmaceutical industry. So it's up to doctors, and there's relatively few doctors who are willing to take care of patients with, um, with these conditions. Uh, and it's up to us basically to empirically try the best that we can. So I think the first piece of advice to anyone uh, is that it looks like the problems with the vaccines are cumulative. If they keep taking more shots, uh, it's going to build up in the body. And sooner or later, you end up with a blood clot, a, a heart damage, a cardiac arrest, um, uh, you know, some catastrophe. So the first point is if, if you take no more, that's the best chance of moving forward without problems. The second point uh, is that to be vigilant, uh, you know, these side effects uh, can be fatal. If if someone's taken two or three shots, for instance, goes on an airplane ride and gets off and one leg is more swollen than another, don't blow it off. It's probably a blood clot. It's probably a blood clot. So you have to, you honestly need to get activated, get an ultrasound, see if there's a blood clot there. If, uh, If you're taking two or three shots and there's chest pain, uh, difficulty breathing, you know, again, that could be heart damage. Need, need to get going on this. Same thing with funny skin rashes, uh, difficulty with the neurologic system, uh, difficulty with walking, 
vision, hearing, all of that has been related to the vaccine. So the second point is be vigilant on all of these problems. And people need to go see their doctor and wake them up. Say, listen, I've, I've had the vaccine. I think I've got a complication. Uh, D- Dr. McCullough, what, the... The, uh, the We have the VAERS database, which, by the way, for people who critique the VAERS database, it's been relied upon at least to get some, uh, a glimpse at what's going on as it regards to these shots. But it's also set up by our own government. Uh, so, so the VAERS database is a very important factor in getting a, a, an overview of how where, where things are trending. Uh, but, Dr. McCullough, any idea uh, how many doctors don't even report uh, adverse reactions to the VAERS database because it, the, the VAERS database is voluntary and it's relying on doctors uh, to submit this information. At least it's voluntary for patients. But, I mean, do doctors have any obligation to submit these adverse reactions? You know, the, the doctors, uh, uh, you know, would fill out a VAERS report if they think the vaccine caused the problem. It, it takes about half an hour to do a report, multiple screens. The doctor has to enter in all of his or her information, clinic information, the patient's email, the patient's uh, phone number, the patient's vaccine card information. And it's do- all done under threat of imprisonment or federal fines if it's falsified. So uh, people are, are pretty scared to report to VAERS. And so therefore, VAERS represents just the tip of the iceberg of, of what's happened. The, the most conservative estimate that's in FDA testimony is that it's underreported on death 30 to 1. Meaning whatever's in VAERS in terms of death, it's 30 times greater. Uh, so uh, current, yeah, so I mean, this is very important. So uh, of the, let's just uh, get this. If um, right now the number, of, the number of deaths reported to VAERS by doctors who think the um, vaccine caused death for COVID is 16,903. That's the current number through February 10th. That means multiply that times 30 to get to the number of people who've died of the vaccine. You know, it's well in excess of 450,000 people. Wow. And that's just in the U.S., correct? That, those are U.S. domestic yeah. data, yeah. again, in VAERS. And uh, it's consistent with the, the reports now for 2021, where that's centering up at 250,000 deaths. And for 2022, it's probably the same amount. Now, the CDC can clear this up in a heartbeat. The CDC should merge the vaccine administration data with the national death index so we know who died after the vaccine, you know, who died on the very first day they took it, the second day, et cetera. And I've been pushing everyone to just push our government to tell us because they can, they can merge these two data sets. It doesn't have to be a mystery. Uh, Dr. McCullough, I, I know some doctors have come out um – in, in recent months and, and apologized over promoting this experimental shot. Um, are you seeing a glimmer of hope that, that some, some in your profession are uh, 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 showing a little bit of humility and, and, and confessing that they got it wrong on this? Yeah, we're seeing more and more uh, come out. You know, it's a one-way street. Uh, there's no one who initially uh, thought the vaccines was a bad idea who's suddenly starting to take vaccines. <laughs> You know, I can I, I can tell yeah. you, I, I never took one of the vaccines. I published an op-ed in The Hill in August of 2020. I said it's a gamble. It's a bad idea uh, to use genetic vaccines on the whole population. And I said it ahead of time. I was the only public figure in the whole country, you're talking to them, who actually called it out and said it's a bad idea ahead of time. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure you were blasted for that as well. 
Well, listen, I'm a, I'm I'm big and strong, and no one's actually ever challenged me on that. There's, you know, no one's had the strength to even send me an email over that. <laughs> so, um, uh, so the 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 bottom line here is that someone in my position, there's nothing compelling for me to take a vaccine now. We're, we're largely through the COVID problem. Uh, a paper by Clausen and colleagues from Harvard shows 94% of people have already been through COVID now. I've already had it twice. It's like having a cold. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take a vaccine that causes blood clots or heart damage. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, there's just no way. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. McCullough, last question, just to just kind of close this topic and then we'll let you go. Um, uh, the detoxing from the shot. I mean, I know you mentioned a couple, you know, um, um, don't take more if you've already had one, um, be very alert as to some kind of issues you're having, make mm-hmm. sure you go to your doctor. But I mean, have, has anybody done in-depth research on detoxing from this spike protein vaccine? No, there's, there, there's no funded research. There's yeah. no funded research. Remember, our government is not admitting this is a problem. Hmm. So we don't have any government research. The pharmaceutical industry is not doing any research. So there's no research. Wow. So it, it's, a real, it's a real problem. You know, on my Substack yesterday, I uh, published on a Japanese supplement called natokinase. N-A-T-T-O-K-I-N-A-S-E. And, and, you know, it's one encouraging preclinical study where the, the spike protein uh, that comes you know, in the body after the vaccine was uh, dissolved by natokinase. Uh, so it needs research, right? We have to figure out the right dose, the right dose frequency, the patient population. We need randomized trials. We need clinical outcomes. I mean, it's a long way from being able to tell somebody that they can detox using any specific medicine or supplement. The research has to be done. You know, there's not enough patients calling for research. The patients are not clamoring. The, the patients aren't even pressing the issue with their doctors. Hmm. So, um, you know, we have to, we have a long ways to go. I think that, I think people out there really need, need to wake up. They need to start talking for themselves uh, and, and start pushing. Absolutely. Hey, so. Dr. McCullough, how can folks read your Substack or which, uh, which website would you prefer them to go to? Yeah, go to my central website, PeterMcCulloughMD.com, and then look at the links that will click you everywhere. The substack's called Courageous Discourse, very popular. I just have that piece on natokinase as what I put the holy grail of uh, detoxification. Uh, my podcast is America Out Loud Talk Radio, McCullough Report, uh, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday, podcast network uh, and Apple iHeart through the week. Uh, you can uh, 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 visit our book website, CourageToFaceCOVID.com. It's a best-selling book on the first part of the pandemic. Uh, very easy to read. Uh, will not be corrupted by Google uh, censorship. Uh, and then you'll see me on Fox News, ABC, almost all the major stations. So I'm, I'm happy to do the best I can for the country. Absolutely. Hey, appreciate your work, Dr. McCullough. We'll have you on again. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that's uh, Dr. Peter McCullough out of Texas. He's an internist, cardiologist, and epidemiologist doing extensive um, 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 studying of not only COVID-19, but these uh, shots as well. Uh, by the way, um, Mississippians, um, uh, Mississippi Against Mandates, uh, they're hosting Dr. Peter McCullough uh, down uh, in the Jackson, Mississippi area, February 27 and 28. Uh, for those who do live in Mississippi, um, you can go to um, msagainstmandates.org, msagainstmandates.org. We'll also link to this on the podcast page, but msagainstmandates.org uh, is where you can view that event uh, where Dr. Peter McCullough 
uh, will be speaking yet, uh, along with Dr. John Witcher, who's we've had on the core um, as well a couple of weeks ago. So that's going on down in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, later uh, next week, actually, next week, later this month. Um, this is fascinating, fascinating topic that we're going to keep keep following because it's it's very involved. Um, I did want to play one clip on a separate topic before we end the program. Um, this is a clip of a congresswoman, uh, Frederick. Um, uh, this congresswoman um, was talking about the, um, uh, let's see, this is Kara Frederick. I'm sorry, she's with the Heritage Foundation. She's not a congresswoman. But uh, Kara Frederick with the Heritage Foundation was on Fox News talking about the war in Ukraine and how we need a strategic end goal. Let's listen to this clip. You look at this issue, $113 billion carries a lot of money to go to Ukraine, and it seems like there's no end in sight. How much do we have to give, and how much should Europe be giving? Why are we the main funder? This is in their backyard. Shouldn't they be giving more? Well, Sean, you heard Biden, whatever it takes, right? And this is the problem. If we're giving indefinitely, if we're drawn into another protracted conflict, and we're, uh, according to Biden, going to support Ukraine's pensions, going to support Ukraine's social uh, services, when we can't even guarantee the pensions of our service members, of everyone here in the United States. So when you had Bridge Colby on your show earlier, he said, we need to articulate how this is in the national interest when it comes to Ukraine, and not at the expense of China. As you talked about before, look at they're getting more bellicose. The, the Chinese spy episode, balloon episode, that is massive. Uh, making overtures to Russia now. I think we are in grave danger here. The existential threat is China. And if we say that we're gonna, going to be helping Ukraine for as long as it takes, we need to have an end game because that doesn't work. We saw what happened in Afghanistan. Disastrous withdrawal. We cannot be dragged into that kind of thing again. Money. That's right. So Kara Frederick over at the Heritage Foundation, who's a, a, also a, a war veteran as well for our nation's military, um, she says we got to have an end game. The American people are owed a clear explanation as to what our end game is in Ukraine. Enough of these endless wars where we don't place any stipulations on it and we stay over there for 20 or 30 years. We got to know what needs to happen so that America can stop spending billions in Ukraine. At the core, glad to have you with us. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.